So guys, I need to share this incredible new company I've partnered with called Blue Blocks. I personally use my Blue Blocks glasses every day while working from home, and I'm literally obsessed with them. First off, as a celebrity stylist and fashionista, I really feel that these glasses could be picked off of a shelf without even knowing all the health benefits that it actually like has, because they're that chic. And then the actual health benefits of these glasses include state-of-the-art technology, which helps block out both blue and green light, which has been scientifically proven to help with better sleep, recovery, and your optimal wellness. And for me, hello, any extra ways to help me sleep while being so pregnant, this mama needs it. I also want to recommend their Remedy Sleep Mask. You guys know I love wearing a mask at night, and I love this mask because literally it helps me fall asleep faster sometimes than Amelia Ray falls asleep. You guys should totally check out their kids selection on their website too. For my mamas, you will be so amazed by how many great frames they have and how the actual styles help your kids reduce strain on their eyes from their tablets and mobile devices, which is so important nowadays. Make sure to go to the Blue Blocks website, which is B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-L-O-X. So one more time, loves, it's B-L-U-B-L-O-X. Dot com and use the code Allie Levine 15 A-L-I-L-E-V-I-N-E-15, all caps, to get 15% off your order. If you have any questions, seriously, just message me on my Instagram account. You guys know I always answer. Message me at Allie Levine Design. Ask me questions about your orders, the frames, why I love blue blocks, style choices, anything. And if you guys check out my stories too, you'll see I'm always wearing and rocking them. Like I'm literally obsessed. And I promise you, you're going to be obsessed too. And personally, I never knew I looked so good in glasses. So check out Blue Blocks and let me know what you guys think. Hey loves, welcome back to Strip Down. I am so excited about today because this is a woman and a mama who I think is really just so um, important for with what's going on in the world with the coronavirus and everyone's state of mind and where their head is at their fears are at, their anxieties, everyone seems to be at an all-time high, and we've been talking about doing this for quite some time, and I feel like this is literally meant to be because she is all about that mindfulness and meditation and advocates for all that, especially with mom and kids. Today, I have the incredible Dejal Patel, who is actually a former divorce attorney And like I said, she turned to mindfulness and meditation and Ayurveda and advocate for moms and kids. She's the host of her own cool podcast called The Time and Talks, which if you guys listen is like all about, you know, that, that meditative state and, you know, what she believes and what she's trying to teach and help enforce in all of us. She's a speaker and an author of her book called Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety and Stay Focused, which is going to be coming out shortly in May, which is so exciting. And she's, you know, been named and kind of coined a well-being warrior in the Huffington Post and other places. And she's, you know, Dejel is just really all about that mindfulness and meditation of having you, you know, be able to get there no matter what, having that community, having that motivated mindfulness in parenting, especially, and also bringing that to your children. So, I just love what she's doing. Again, I feel like right now with the state of the world, it's like even more important to really talk about this because there's a lot of things we cannot control, but this we can. So without, you know, further going on, Dejal, welcome to my show. Hi, Allie. How are you? So happy to be here. Yes. Good. I'm good. Thank you. So great to have you and your positive vibes. And I just love, you know, everything that you're doing in the world. And before we kind of just like get right into it because I really do want to kind of just get into meditation and everything and I I know I already told you I really want to do a little exercise for everyone to kind of get into as well but before we do why don't you take us back a little bit to you know you and your journey and how you went from you know a former divorce attorney to this because it's pretty extreme. Absolutely. So about 10 years ago, I was a divorce attorney and I specialized actually in all out of court divorce resolution. So I did divorce mediation and something called collaborative divorce. And so the unique situation was I had both 
the husband and the wife and in front of me. And so 99% of my clients were parents. And around that same time, I was kind of going through my own spiritual awakening and my own journey. I kind of hit a rock bottom personally and emotionally and physically. And I um, was seeking out yoga and meditation and mindfulness. And as a child, I was someone who struggled with anxiety. I struggled with low self-esteem probably all throughout my life. And I was also a very highly sensitive child. And that really, um, you know, I never had any coping mechanisms to deal with my anxiety and tough emotions. And I experienced anger rages at a young age. And largely, um, you know, when I was working with my clients, I could see and energetically feel that, you know, this is one of the most traumatic times next to grief that divorce is just so emotionally taxing on individuals. And, you know, it was a really safe space. I felt like I was like 50% attorney and like 50% therapist at times. And a lot of them would open up. Yeah. It was really a unique situation because a lot of them would open up because we were talking about their children. And, um, you know, I could sense that many of them probably er were experiencing the same type of anxiety that I did as a child. And so it really became, um, as I found relief in my own life, like, wow, what if I had these tools when I was a child? And then it made me think, what if my client's kids had these tools? And so that's what really catapulted me um, back in 2010 and 12, right? That's the time when kids yoga was really big, right? And so I got trained as a kids yoga, um, a kids yoga trainer at first. And uh, my husband and at and I at the time owned preschools in the South Jersey area. So I actually started teaching yoga and mindfulness and meditation um, to the kids at our school. So between the ages of three and seven. And so I noticed really quickly, um, I did this for about 10 years and I noticed that children were really receptive to the relaxation techniques that I was teaching. And I started trickling these practices in with my divorce clients, like to help their own children. And really what I understood as I was going into this was you know, I really wanted children to embody these tools and me being one person, you know, I saw children once a week. I realized that parents and teachers really needed to practice and reinforce these tools with children in order for kids to really embody this and to take it with them, not only in their life now, but when they became adults. So about five and a half years ago, I started educating teachers and how to bring these practices into the classrooms. I created my own curriculum called the Mindful Beginnings Curriculum, where I would go into classrooms and teach kids, but the teachers would also be watching and would get um, a curriculum of continuing to follow along. And then in back in 2014, when I was pregnant with my own for my first child, I um, enrolled in a year-long uh, kundalini yoga and meditation te teacher training. And I really started helping from the ground running parents, like moms specifically, how to start infusing mindful resets and short three-minute meditations into the newborn phase and that toddler phase. And my oldest is now five. He'll be five on in April. And we have really embodied a, pra a family meditation and mindfulness practice. He is comes on my time and talks podcast and talks all about mindfulness and meditation for kids to understand. And if you follow me on Instagram, I do tons of videos where he's leading meditation so that kids can really be like, wow, like he's doing it. I can totally do it. And then also parents love it because they're like, they don't feel like it's as daunting either. And that's really what my goal is, is to bridge the gap and really help parents understand. Many of us have not been taught this as children. So I really make teaching meditation uh, a partnership between parents and children and make it like this book that I created is like the easiest primer for, for parents who um, may never have meditated or maybe they tried and they felt like it's too hard. Um, and we're really just creating a very bonding um, practice and nurturing practice um, for families. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that you're also, you know, having your son be a part of it to really show, like you said, it's not you know, as daunting as you think it is. And yes, it might be hard to start. And obviously it is a practice, but once you get into it, it's something like you can actually really do. And especially as a parent and with your children. So I think that's like just so, so cool and so amazing. And I think that's, you know, so different about you than others. Like everyone, you know, is like trying to get into the meditative space, right? 
but not many are doing it when it comes to the parents and the children. Yeah, very much so. And like my son is like kind of like the social proof, which is like, he's like my in-house PR, which I love. <laughs> like so articulate. And the way that he explains it, Ali, is just like, I, we don't rehearse the stuff. Like, yes, like I talk to him and these are conversations that we have, but then like when we're videoing or when he's on the podcast, this is largely him being able to express it. And it's just really like amazing to me because so many kids and so many parents would be like, wow, like this is amazing. We can do it. And they like believe in their kids, but they also started believing in themselves that yes, I can teach my kids this, which is so awesome to watch. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. And how did you exactly get started teaching your son? Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, it really helped because I started teaching kids even before I had children of my own. So I really do have a decade of experience. Like before he was born, I had about eight years of experience. And so, um, really I, I, I created like through my own, um, experience of teaching children, um, and schools, I really kind of developed a practice of and a roadmap of how do you actually break down these skills. And I was teaching children almost as young as like two and a half, three sometimes. And mainly like my age when I start, I think um, three is a great age to start because just like you teach the ABCs, there are foundational ways of teaching meditation. So when you're teaching them at first, you start off with songs. You're in, you know, you're making a making it part of your vocabulary. Like I don't go and tell like my students or my son, be like, Hey, we got to meditate. It's like, you know, just like we brush our teeth every day to keep the sugar buggies away. Just like we wash our bodies to keep the germs away. Every day we brush our brain to keep yucky thoughts away. And like we make this very, I have a playful song, which I teach, um, you know, I teach my parents, like, this is the song that you sing. So it's part of their daily vocabulary. There's different. Um, and so between the ages of like two and up into four, you're basically planting it in and um, planting these little seeds. You're, you're prompting them, like, take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. Everything is very, very playful. Just like, you know, when your child is learning the ABCs, you're starting with songs and then they learn single letters and then they learn sentences. You know, it's a progression that they learn step by step by step. It's just the same exact way when you're teaching meditation. So what, um, like this, one of the biggest misconceptions I just want to address, like with meditation, like a lot of times when we think of meditation, right, we think of quintessential meditation, like sitting quietly, not moving, eyes closed, you're focusing on your breath and your mind has to be completely clear, right? Like that's what we think of meditation. And this is certainly a form of meditation. And this is um, the category of passive meditation, where the purpose of the meditation is so that you're learning how to focus on clearing out your mind. And I refer to this as the CrossFit of meditation. Like it is like, you know, you, someone who's never worked out a day in their life, you would never tell them, all right, I'm going to throw you into a CrossFit class because they're going to fall flat on their face, right? <laughs> like, they yeah. have no like endurance, right? They don't have the stamina. They don't have, they haven't developed that like that physical and the mental bandwidth to do that kind of, um, that kind of exercise. And that's the same exact thing with like, when we think of like mindfulness meditation, a lot of parents start here and that's what they think meditation is only that. And they're like, well, I can't do it. Then my kid doesn't sit still. My kid has so much energy. There's no way that they can do it. So you certainly have to build up to that type of meditation. And the second category of meditation is what's called active meditation. Now, active meditation, the purpose of it is to train your brain to focus on one thing at a time. So with active meditation, you're giving your mind a mental anchor point, and it's much easier to train your brain to focus on one thing at a time than nothing because our mind is this tool that was designed to think. And so, you know, when you start focusing on one thing, automatically your nervous system starts to relax and it starts to slow down. And over a period of time, once you get a habit of that, then you can go to that passive meditation where you're building that practice, whether it's for yourself or your kids. So my book is 40 Activities of Active Meditations, which means like, you know, guided meditations where they're focusing on your voice when you're doing the meditation, focusing on a specific positive affirmation or a mantra, placing their hands on their body in a specific way to let energy move, um, using a different breath work. This is what I found like through my Kundalini training and my Ayurveda training is that 
you know, the generic, just take a deep breath won't always calm you down. Like there's a different breath that you need to do to calm your nervous system when you're anxious versus when you're angry or frustrated versus when you're feeling sad or tired or lethargic. There are different breathing tools that will reboot your, your nervous system and your energy and your mind and body. And so what I really designed is that I didn't want watered down practices. Like I really specifically picked, um, perp like, at meditations with the purpose that there is a specific reason, like there's eight exercises for anxiety, eight exercises for, you know, anger, frustration, impatience, like all those tough, like, you know, meltdown type of moments, um, you know, meditations when your child is feeling sad, lethargic, um, disappointed, um, so really strategic ways of helping your child build stress resilience, but also learn how to manage tough emotions um, and really help ourselves too. That's why it's designed for both of us. Right. Cause we all, cause we all need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, I think it's great that like you said that about again, like pulling it into their daily routine. And it's true even for myself is that, you know, like, for me, it took me a while to get into meditation. Like I remember, you know, especially being from New York originally and, you know, being such a busy on the go person. Mm -hmm. Like I remember walking into like meditation studios and walking into different practices and like literally looking at my phone, tapping my foot, looking around the room and being like, Oh my God, when is this over? How the hell do you concentrate and do this? Like, this is crazy. Like, I feel like I'm not getting anything out of this. This is so frustrating. And I felt like it was more frustrating and daunting than mm. actually helpful. Yeah. And it's crazy how, like you said, you have to really make it part of your routine and part of everything because now, you know, years later and, you know, after going through my profound depression and everything else and having that really helped me, now it's become a part of a practice and it's something if I don't do, I feel more out of whack than when I do do it consistently. Oh, I, f I totally feel you. Everything that you just shared, like it could have been like out of my book because when I started meditation too, I started like this mindfulness practice. I'm like, what in the world? Like my brain will not shut down. Like it was largely like always constantly moving, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah. And, you know, I'll be very, very honest because I think it's important to hear this. Like, yes, I've been practicing for 10 years, but there are, like you said, every day, is different and every moment really, right? Like based on like what's happening in the world, like especially like right now or how much sleep that you got or what you ate or, you know, all these things affect your stress level and, you know, and your mind, right? Your mind could be more energetic or more racy. So there are different meditations that I, even me, like I pull at different days based on where I'm at. And I think like for many of us, if we focus on doing active meditations first, training our brain and then trickle in the passive meditation, it really, um, I mean, it really, really is an easier approach to meditation. And like you said, it's not as daunting. It's actually um, an easier entry point. And like, just to kind of give an example to parents too, because um, just, you know, me sharing this with my son. So my son is five. We've been doing this, you know, been trickling it in um, since he's been two. But now when he turned five, like we've been now starting to infuse like one minute of passive meditation. So what we do is like we put a time lapse on because this is his idea, which is a kind of a cute idea. He's like, I want to see how much I wiggle. And so we'll put a timer on for one minute and he'll sit and we'll will sit and he likes to see how he progresses with how quietly he can sit. And so it's just a very gradual way of then how we introduce our children to like that quintessential passive meditation. So it's yeah, really no, that's awesome. I love that. Well, and especially like, you know, like, I, again, I don't want to like go crazy about with what's going on with the coronavirus and, you know, all the, you know, negative that's been coming out of that. And, you know, I think especially the fears and anxieties for so many parents and, you know, kids and obviously myself included and, and all the anxieties that are coming up and the unknown, but what would be like some tips and what would be also, because you're living in this as well, like how are you handling what's going on and being able to, especially like you said, your thoughts, like how are you being able to kind of shift what's going on, you know, in your mind versus what's going on outside in the world with the news and everything that's happening that is that so triggering in that, you know, fear space. Yeah. I I'm so glad you asked this because I think many of us think that like, you know, people who, 
people who are, we're on different sliding scales, like people who are like fearful, like manic, like really having like mass hysteria and like panic attacks to people, other people who seem like they're largely unaffected, I guess. Like, you know, there's some people like, yeah, like, you know, positive Zen and vibes, like, you know, people are on their own extremes. And then I think people everywhere else are kind of in the middle of that. Um, I think the one big thing is that, you know, the whole journey and the whole process, I feel like what I've learned through meditation, people ask me like, are you like so Zen and so peaceful all the time? And I think, no, I think I'm largely more resilient. And so it's about being able to recognize like, yeah, this is happening. And yes, fear is arising within me or anxiety is arising within me, but it's not getting debilitated by the feeling. It's about, all right, I recognize that the the sensations in my body right now is I'm in a fearful state, but then recognizing, all right, what is the reset that I need to do that's going to help me ride through it? And that's the whole purpose of like, like stress is going to arise or that friction within our system is going to arise. It's just that recognizing there are specific tools, like our body is a sophisticated technology. And the only reason we feel overwhelmed, it's kind of like we've been functioning without an owner's manual. And so what I've learned went through the science of Ayurveda and like yoga and meditation is that yoga and meditation are like the secret sauce of like getting our mind and body rebalanced rather quickly when you're aware what kind of stress that you're experiencing. So in Ayurveda, which I'll give a quick little primer in case somebody like who's listening who doesn't know, but Ayurveda is essentially the science of life. It's like the oldest holistic health system. Um, it's the sister science of yoga. And these sciences were actually always meant to be practiced together. So Ayurveda um, gives wisdom on how to optimally balance your mind and body through diet, um, through specific breathing, uh, breathing exercises, yoga, like yoga is the science that's going to help rebalance it. And so what we find is that, you know, something could trigger us like right now we're in a fear and anxiety state and that's triggering mental stress. And in Ayurveda, all stress really is like we've made in modern day, like, oh my gosh, stress is like a killer. And we like wage a war against stress, but really all stress is in Ayurvedic terms is that it's simply an imbalance in your body, your energy. There's a place where there's a blockage or it's not flowing properly. And there's only three types of blockages or stress that we experience. It's either mental stress, which means that there's too much energy circulating in our brain. And what that, what that refers to is the feelings of worry, nervousness, overthinking, anxiety. And when we, when we bring that energy back down to our feet and ground it out, that energy naturally, our mind will naturally slow down. And then there's emotional stress, which relates to our heart. And that's like feelings of like anger, frustration, impatience. And the body sensation that we recognize that that's emotional stress is that we overheat. Basically our natural heat or agni is starting to overheat. And that's why we feel flush in the face or like that vision of like steam coming out of our ears. Um, So we just need to cool our body down. And then with physical stress, that's related to our stomach. And that means that energy is too stagnant. And those emotions are when you feel sad or lethargic or unmotivated or extremely fatigued. And all we have to do is bring the energy up. And so the beauty is, is that there's simple, like standalone yoga practices, breathing exercises, different affirmations of move and holding and touching our body in different ways that starts to bring the energy to where it needs to be. And you'll find relief really quickly. And that's the science that I bring into this book. Like there's a stress scan that teaches kids in a really, really cute way and parents, like how to know what kind of stress you're experiencing and what breathing reset that you need to do. Like, this is like the, the, the key of like helping our children and ourselves be in charge and not feel debilitated by stress and anxiety of anything because life is largely uncontrollable, whether it's this situation or anything that happens on a personal scale or a global scale. So it really behooves us to really empower our children with these tools of resiliency so that no matter what uncomfortable feeling or emotion or situation arises, they'll be able to ride through the emotion and know what the tools are going to help them to ride through it. Well, yeah. And I love that you said like, you know, whether it be this or something else, like life is just unpredictable and things are not controllable and that's just life. And so it's like, 
you need to be able to control what's going on with you. And I think I've even learned that is like, the more I control what's going on with me personally and my thoughts and everything else, the more I can somewhat find clarity, even in a super, you know, like crazy situation like we're in right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and like for you, you know, to, to, to be like, you know, really real and raw here, like, like, have you had moments where you have had those anxieties and triggers and like, oh my gosh, and like, haven't been able to maybe, you know, get into your practice and what you normally do? Or have you um, been able to kind of push past that? Like, what has it looked like for you personally, at home being someone, you know, that is so mindful and does teach this, but also is also a human and a mom? Right. No, I'm so glad that you asked this because, you know, we're all connected. And like, I'll be very honest, like when we're shooting this on when, so a couple days ago, I felt like this really big heaviness and it was like, I, like I felt like the anxiety and I'm prone to anxiety because I experienced it, you know, as a child. And so that's like my stress type go-to, like when I feel overwhelmed, it's like my, my thoughts will start spinning. And so what I noticed is that like, I was trying to get into like the meditation and, um, you know, there was just like something that I couldn't shake. So literally what I've learned through this practice is that, you know, moving your body and like shaking your body, like it sounds like crazy, but it's like, you could put any music on. It doesn't have to be a specific meditation per se, but like moving and shaking your body is so healing. So if you ever feel like that stagnant energy and you just can't shake the emotion, that's really where I was at. And I'll be very honest with you. Like, you know, I have a book launch coming. My book is coming out April 14th. I was supposed to have live book launch events in May. I was like, you know, reshuffling all these different events. And, you know, it was very like, you know, it wasn't like just a very pleasant time for me either. And I think that like, in order for me, like I was feeling that anxiety and what I did before, when I found that my mind can't settle down, you have to just bring your hands. The key is just to bring your hands above your head. And we, my son and I like stomped on the floor and we like, you know, pounded it all out. And like after 10 minutes of just like being free, I was then able to meditate. And I think that's such an important thing. Like with Kundalini yoga, what we've always learned is that the yoga always would come before the meditation because it's important to, if we can't settle our mind, it's to move out the energy that, and we don't need to know necessarily what the energy is or process it. It's just like move it out of your body and then you'll be able to find stillness. So that's kind of my go-to, like shaking, moving, like being like completely crazy. And then like dance dance party basically. Yes, exactly. Dance party. We've been doing daily dance parties and it's so healing. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. I actually, you saying that it's funny. I had that thought last night in bed. I was like, I need to do a little dance party with my Amelia Ray this week and just like shake it all out and just have some fun because it's, you definitely do feel that stagnant Mm -hmm. energy. And I appreciate you sharing that, that even you, someone who is so heavily in this practice and everything you believe and do are still having your struggles. I think that's really important for other parents to hear because like we're all struggling right now. Yeah. You know, we're all connected, right? Like we're, it's like this global consciousness. And when we're, there's more fear in the world, like it doesn't matter. Like we, we are experiencing this together. And I think the, the purpose of this, like, you know, even when we're doing meditation and like, like I said, like people like, oh, you must be Zen all the time. That's not part of the human experience. The human experience is to feel emotions, process emotions, move them out so we can heal it. Right. So I think we just have to be really honest. Like, we all are experiencing this and we just, we just need the tools. Like some of us have feel like we have the tools and some of us don't, but with this book, like, I'm so happy, like everyone will be able to have the tools, you know? And, um, so yeah. And like, there's actually science that proves that shaking, like, you know, do you notice animals like dogs and cats or I have a bird, like whenever they're like, go from a stagnant place, like they shake and then they're, you know, like they shake their body. That's like their nervous system, like resetting. And so it's like, you know, Um, actual survival thing. (laughs) Nervous system resetting. I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Cause you're moving it, right? Like you're dislodging energy. Cause that's all it is. Like 
when you're dislodging energy and moving it in places, you're releasing it from your system and it just resets your nervous system, <laughs> which is like, and that's like how I felt. And then it's easier to like rest your mind and slow down and calm down once it's reset and it's not in like hyper high alert state. Right. So true. Yeah. Cause you, we, none of us function well from a high alert state. Right. Exactly. We, we are not tapped into our, like a higher part of our brain, like the prefrontal cortex, like it gets shut off, like the part of our emotional regulation or impulse, impulse control, um, you know, our decision from right or wrong. Um, and this is really interesting actually when, because I know certain people are like science buffs and they like, like data. And I just want to quickly share this because I think it's really important to know. So, yeah. you know, when we're talking about like the nervous system, right? Like, so the part of our brain, which we've probably heard, like the brain stem or the amygdala, which is responsible for the fight or flight in children, that is fully developed at the time that they're born, right? And um, the prefrontal cortex, like the part of the brain we were just talking about regarding like um, emotional regulation, impulse control, that doesn't get fully developed in, until we're 24 to 26 years old. And the really interesting thing is, is that with meditation, what has been shown is that with consistent practice, this is the fascinating thing. It's not about the quantity of time that we meditate. It's just the consistency. Even if you do five minutes a day, and that was like a new study that came out, as long as that you're consistently doing it every day, it shows that the amygdala or the brainstem starts to decrease and the prefrontal cortex starts to expand. So it really behooves us because our children's brain is so malleable. And even as adults, our brain is malleable, which is like the beauty behind it. So it behooves us to really start building these practices when our children are younger, because especially between the ages of zero to eight, everything that they hear or see or experience, it's getting planted into their subconscious mind. So whether we see the fruits of it now, it's definitely, you know, as we know, as adults, our patterns, our beliefs, our stories are all, all stemmed from our subconscious. So it's going to be there. And that's like the, I think it's just like the fascinating thing. Like we're really, really, embedding it into their brain so it's going to always be there with them at this young age. Right. Well, and I think it's cool that you share that with like the science, because like, I agree with you. Like, I'm a little bit more like when I think about the way I think of things and the way I see things, like I'm a little bit more, you know, I become a little bit more like, woo, you want to call it or whatever. But, you know, like you said, there is a science piece to it. And I definitely have noticed like an actual rewiring in my brain in the last year, year or so from doing this as an actual practice and no longer just doing it, you know, once in a blue moon, because I just feel like doing it. Yeah, I agree. It's in, in, like I said, like, you know, like how long, like, I'm just curious, like how long um, have you been meditating? Cause I know that meditation has been a part of your life. Yeah. You know, so it's like, again, you know, I tried to be honest, like, and transparent. I tried so hard when I was younger and it was just like, no freaking way. I think my brain was too busy. I was too young. I couldn't shut anything off. And then I did a little bit in college just because, um, where I went to school for two years was Flagstaff, Arizona, and they're kind of in that space. So I did a little bit from like classes and stuff there, but I still never felt truly connected. I, I felt like I was just doing it, but it was more of like, okay, shut your eyes, five minutes. Okay, listen to this. But I didn't feel like it was affecting me. Now, for the last like year or so, where I've been doing it consistently, and I'm trying to get to it every day, but it's becoming like every couple days, but still mm -hmm. way better than it was before becoming an actual practice. Now I actually feel like I'm actually, you know, doing it consistently and not just consistently, but it's something I actually crave in my mind and body. And if I don't do it, I actually feel more out of control than when I wasn't doing it at all before. So it's really interesting to me that now I've had this shift and I actually feel that shift. That is so cool. And you know what I love about that? You, so you've been trickling it like through different phases of your journey for quite some time. And it didn't take for you until like just recently, but that's just like the epitome of like how this process may be even for our kids, right? Like we, we plant these seeds in our kids, but they're going to come to it whenever it's called to them. Some of our kids will just take to it and they'll just do it from the get-go. And some of, some of us might just, like some of them will just like, you know, maybe they'll come to it in their 20s or maybe they'll do it when they're teenagers or maybe in their 30s. We never know. But I think that's really cool that of your journeys. <laughs> Sorry, we like switched oh, the yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's a really good point. I love that you brought that up because it's true. It's like 
we all find it in different ways and we all, you know, like I was even saying my mom the other day, you know, I was like, mom, we were talking and she was, you know, even before this happened, my grandfather passed and there was a lot going on in her personal life. She was having a really hard time. And I was like, mom, you know, now that you're older, like now that you don't have obviously like us kids around, you know, you have a little bit more time. Like you really need to think about with meditation. She's like, yeah, I do. And it's like, I feel like she like wants to dabble in it and she like is intrigued by it, but she just like doesn't know how. And again, going back to what you were saying with like that daunting feeling, that same daunting feeling that like kids also have getting into it. It's the same thing that like we all have as adults. I actually think sometimes it's harder as adults because like you said with kids, at least you're kind of teaching them from the get-go and like planting those seeds early. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think that like, you're absolutely right. One of the biggest things that I've had, like in my personal practice, like with my coaching practice with parents and, you know, teaching parents, that's like the biggest thing to overcome, but it's actually, um, you know, we, we're, as parents, this generation, especially, right? Like we're really trying to adopt this new paradigm in parenting, like going away from that authoritarian way of like, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but it's like no longer seeing it as a hierarchy where like, we are like the, the know-it-all and we need to have it all figured out. We're like this, you know, sage from the stage kind of like mentality. And like our children are these lesser than helpless, like, you know, we are looking at parenting more as a partnership. And this is what I always say, like, you know, the perspective, especially when we're doing something like this, like meditation that we have not met naturally maybe experienced or learned as a child. This is a opportunity to for us to be the guide from the side, like letting our kids know that mommy and daddy are learning with you and we're going to practice together and we're going to make it fun and it's going to help not only you, but me. And it's like this willingness to be really beginners and like I said, like I really created in a way because there's, there's science behind every exercise. And like in the book, actually, I broke it down um, because the book is for kids four through eight. Um, but really there's tools in here that I started using with my children, you know, when they were two and three. Um, but it tells you like, take this time and when, and then why it works. And this really gives like parents, like, like why, why does this really work? What's the science behind it? But also like, when do I practice this with my child? So I really take the guesswork out of it. And this also applies to your own life. Like when I'm feeling like this, I can come to this tool. So it's really like a, a roadmap and a simple guide point, you know, for, and an entry point for parents too. And I think I really I'm really proud of like that one aspect because so many parents come to me like, this is not daunting anymore. This does like, I feel like I can do it. And I feel so proud that I'm doing it with my child. Um, so that's really what I want even more families to experience. Yeah. I think that's like, I think that's so amazing and so cool. And I think this is a perfect segue into you reading one of your exercises for all of us to do right now while we're listening from your book that is going to be coming out and launching so that we can get a little taste of, you know, of what this is all about. Yeah. So first I want, there's two things. Like first I want to share a breathing reset, um, to help because while a lot of us are experiencing anxiety, um, and I want to share it like in the way that I teach children. Um, so this is like, I know that you can't see me, but try to practice as much as possible. Um, so when I teach breathing or meditation, especially to kids, I make it tangible, especially with the breathing, which what that means is that they're using their hands or their body in a way to guide them uh, on what to do. Because just telling kids to take a deep breath in and out, it's just can get very flat and dull and boring for them. So um, when just a little primer behind the exercise so you're aware of how it works and why it works. And then I'm going to guide you guys into it. And then we'll do like a little short meditation after that. So the breath work that um, for anxiety that we need um, is that you're breathing in through your nose and then you're exhaling slowly through your mouth. Um, and the exhale has to be longer than the inhale. So just the science behind that is, is that when you're taking a deep inhale in, it triggers our body to have a little stress response. That's what notifies our nervous system. Is there a threat around? So when we have any sort of shallowness or if it's a short breath, it's signaling to our body, there could be a heightened or a threat nearby. So that's why everybody says like, be mindful of your breath in because that's what's signaling your body 
is there a threat? But it's actually the exhale out, the quality and the slowness of the exhale that determines and activates your rest and relaxation. So if you're exhaling out slower and really like out of your mouth, it becomes a lot slower. Um, it signifies to your body, okay, let's relax. Everything's safe. Everything's cool and calm. So this breath that we do, it's called windy windmill breath. So the way that we explain it to kids is that, um, you know, sometimes your mind, does it feel like it's like a howling, loud howling hurricane winds, or does it feel yucky, like a, or yummy, like a quiet, starry night? So you want to like, get them to understand, like, does your mind feel racing and loud or does it feel quiet and calm? And so whenever it feels racing and too loud, this is the breath that we do. We do windy windmill breath. So the way that we do it is that we take both of our pointer fingers and face them towards each other and place them in front of your mouth. And I know this is kind of hard because you can't see me, but um, try to follow along. And so then what you do is you take a slow breath in through your nose and then you exhale it slowly out of your mouth and circle the fingers around each other. So as if your breath is blowing and like turning your windmill. So, so we're going to do this a few times. So take a deep inhale in through your nose, blow it slowly out of your mouth, this time a little bit slower. All right. Another deep breath in through your nose. Slowly blow out, moving your windmill as slow as possible. The fingers should be moving as slowly as possible. And for older children and for adults, you can use the count, take a count, a breath in for four counts. So breathe in for four counts. And exhale for eight. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight. So inhale for one, two, three, four. And exhale through your mouth for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more time, breathing in through your nose. And exhaling slowly out of your mouth. I invite you to place your right hand on top of your heart and your left hand on top of your belly. We're going to do a meditation from the book called Meditating on a Lily Pad. And so wherever you are, if you're sitting on a chair, make sure that your feet are flat on the ground. And if you're sitting cross-legged, just sit comfortably with your spine straight. Close your eyes and imagine that you're a frog on a lily pad. As you breathe in, breathe in through your belly. When frogs breathe, they, their bellies get really, 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 really big. And then blow your breath out through your mouth. Take another deep frog breath in through your nose. Make your tummy big, big, bigger. And then slowly breathe out through your mouth. One more time, take a deep breath in, making your belly and tummy as big as possible. And this time, as you breathe out, repeat, I am safe. Taking another breath in. And as you breathe out, I am loved. One more deep breath in and a deep breath out. I am protected. We are safe. We are loved and we are protected. When you're ready, open your frog eyes and now you're ready to jump off your lily pad. Anytime you feel nervous or scared, 
You can calm down by finding a quiet, peaceful place to rest your mind and remind yourself that you are safe, you are loved, and you are protected right here and right now. Oh, that was awesome. I literally got goosebumps. (laughs) That was so, that was so great. I love the visualization along with the actual practice. And um, that's also a really great tip that you shared with the breathing. Um, I I think that's actually the first time I've heard that. Like I've always heard, obviously the, you know, exhale should be longer, but actually kind of giving the example of like four seconds for the inhale and eight seconds for the exhale. I think it's really good to be able to actually know in your mind, like, okay, you really do have to give yourself those extra counts because that's something maybe that I have not been doing that I can add to my own practice. Right. And like, so that's why like this, the book has those different prompts in there. But if your child, like, I'll give you a prime example, like my child, when he was four and he was learning windy windmill breath, I'm not necessarily focusing on the four in and eight out. I'm just trying to teach your, you're just trying to teach your child, you inhale through your nose and then you slowly make sure that your exhale is longer than your inhale. You don't necessarily have to do the count, but like for yourself, right? Like you, I put the four and eight in the book because then as your child gets older, and has a more mastery, then they can start doing the four in and eight out. And as a parent, you can focus your brain on doing the four in and eight out. And that's how it's like a, it's a practice for both the parent and the child. And like the visualization, I hope it kind of came across of like how you're circling your pointer fingers in front of your mouth. And kids really like that because they're doing it fast and then they're slowing it down and then they're slowing it down again. So it gives them um, their mind an anchor point of what their breath is supposed to do. It's fast out, slower slower, slower. So it's like training them how to do that. Oh, okay. That's, that's very interesting. How else do you, when it comes to children, obviously this is all in your book, but how else do you um, advise parents and giving tips, especially right now, um, you know, with everything going on to calm their minds, how else do you kind of, um, I guess, you know, advise them to be able to kind of plant those seeds further and be able to try to help them um, in moments, especially I think in moments with like toddlers and everything with a lot of parents like with me, Amelia being almost two, like the tantrums and different things that you feel like, oh my gosh, they're not listening to anything. And I'm just like standing here waiting for them to stop mouthing down. What would be some advice you would have? Yeah. So I think the first thing is so that like, you know, many parents are like, oh, you know, like I'm breathing with my child, I'm meditating with them. But like during a meltdown or during those tough, like big emotions, um, depending on what their age is, you know, they're just like, it's not available to them or they're not doing it. So are they too young? Is it not working? Like, you know, they're kind of confused. And so I want to kind of relate it like the way the best analogy that I can kind of share. And then like, I'll give you some, give some pointers is that, you know, um, you know, meditation is like the mental hygiene or like the daily hygiene. So like you would never tell your child, like, okay, you only have to brush your teeth when you eat candy every other time. Like if you don't have candy, then you don't have to brush your teeth, right? Like we would never tell our children that because it's like the daily hygiene, like you brush your teeth every single day. So the practice of like meditation, what we're doing here, like infusing the couple breaths or like the, the meditation, like the couple minutes a day is their daily hygiene for their mental health is that they're doing it every day to build that consistency. And like I told you, like planting these seeds in their subconscious. So it's just starting to expand and build their prefrontal cortex. Um, and and start diminishing their their fight flight or freeze response. Um, when we're in a meltdown situation or like big feelings are visiting, um, there's it's kind of like when you have a cavity. So when you have a cavity, it's like these painful like one-off situations that happen, and so you need a skilled dentist, right, to, to, to be able to navigate that, to ease your pain. And so as parents, we are supposed to be that skilled dentist, and it requires another set of skills along with the breathing. So the first thing, first and foremost, is that it's like that connection, like the empathy, because I've made the mistake as well. It's like, you know, when my child was like two or three, like when he was having a meltdown, I'd be like, all right, let's take deep breaths. And it was just like, 
was not available to him. And as he got older a little bit, like there was a time that he told me, he's like, mommy, I just can't take deep breaths. Like he was crying. He's like, and so the most important thing is that when your child is having a meltdown, the number one thing is connecting with them and validating their feelings. Like, I see that you're feeling angry. I know that you really wanted that. I know that you're disappointed. That's the first step before we even like get to let's take the deep breath. So that's the first thing. And then you know, it's kind of like a tuning and then limit setting and then like problem solving. So when they've kind of gotten like their, when their nervous system is like, when they're red, what I call like the red light in their brain, like they are like completely deregulated. You could say like take deep breaths or calm down until you're blue in the face, but it's just not registering to them because that part of their brain, the logic part of their brain has shut off. So the thing is, is that it's just, you know, being aware of that. And then once they start regulating a little bit, you can start building like, okay, let's take some deep breaths to like start calming yourself down. And what I did for a very, you know, for a very long time, now that he's five, it's kind of actually, this is not necessarily, um, something that we have to do anymore, but it's like at the end of the night, like that's when I would have like the teachable moment, but like, Hey, I noticed that this big feeling visited and, um, you know, what could help you like ride through it, or this can help you ride through it. And like, we talked about the problem solving, like of what you do and inside the book, which is chapter three, which is opening your heart. It it talks about every single like big feeling, whether it's jealousy to impatience to anger, like real like anger um, to, um, you know, feeling like um, what's like being scared. The, there's different exercises. It's kind of like your toolbox of problem solving skills to like help your child like, hey, I noticed that this happened like this is what we can do next time to help you ride through that feeling. So you're going to have like your kind of like your like toolbox now of like what to do through each kind of big feeling to help your child. Because like one set of tools is not going to work for every single emotion. But what I can really tell parents is like, it's the connection and that like attuning first before you even start to even tell them like, let's breathe, take deep breaths together or anything like that. It's just not going to be available to them until you start making those connections. Well, and with your son, is that kind of how you started? And then you like waited to see him kind of respond and then took it from there? So what I, the visualization that I use, and I think this is a great one for parents, is like recognizing what brain state your child is in. So are they in a red brain, yellow brain, or a green brain? Red brain is completely dysregulated. So anything that you say, even if it's helpful, is not going to register to them. So at those moments, like the number one goal is, like I just said, is like to like, I understand, or like maybe hugging them. Maybe like a lot of times for my son, it's just like not even saying anything. It's just like touching him, rubbing his back, just letting him regulate because talking is going to make them unregulated. Like they just need to get the energy and the emotion out um, because emotions are energy in motion. And sometimes like they just need to physically get it out through the crying and the belting. I know it's uncomfortable. Like I don't like loud sounds. So like a lot of it is like keeping our stress like in contained when that's happening. Um, and then yellow brain is like the, they're about to get like deregulated. So it's like, you know, the whininess or the clinginess, or like you start noticing that if you say no, that they're like, Oh, like, you know, it, it's like becoming like, they're about to like, you know, create a problem, but it's not just quite there yet. So at that time, I, I think it's like really being very skillful. And like, for me, it's like learning how to say no without saying no. And like, kind of like learning these different, like mindful parenting tactics. And then um, this is actually now for me, it's like, yellow brain is kind of when the breathing techniques and like, Hey, like, why don't we do something playful? Or, you know, that's usually when it's like kind of available to my son. Um, that's kind of, you know, since he was two, this is kind of like, from trial and error, this is kind of just what I've learned. And every child's a little bit different, right? What they need. Some kids like to be touched when they're like in a red brain state. Some kids don't. They just want to have their own space and they just need to be with themselves. So it's like really understanding your child's specific needs. And then green brain is like when they're able to learn, like they're in the fully regulated state. And so what I've learned is all my teachable moments happen at the end of the night. Like I need some space between when the meltdown happens and like, you know, obviously like if it's something safety related, you're going to have to step in and make sure that, you know, they're safe or they're not hitting anybody and stuff, but everything else, like based on like the book, like these are conversations. Like I think nighttime is the most intimate time to have these conversations. And even in the book, chapter five is all about, um, 
relaxation and stillness, but it's about tools to help your child like physically kind of slow down, but also these conversations that you have with your child, like retrace today's treasure map. Like you're retracing the day to see like, what was your high point? What was your low point? Um, there's another one, like start again. You're having a mindful conversation with your child. Like, did you make a mistake today? It's really okay. Like, let's see how we can start again. Like, what can we learn from it? Um, and so I found that nighttime is just like the most um, intimate and bonding time to like really build a conversation of what can we do differently next time? And, you know, maybe this breathing technique will work, blah, blah, blah. And that's really like now at five, my son's like, mommy, like there's an exercise in the book, like yummy, yucky. He's like, mommy, my head engine is not working properly. I'm feeling anxious. I get to do some windy mill, windmill breath. And like, I use this in my daily conversation with him. I'm like, Ayan, my head engine is spinning right now. And when you're really loud, it's making mommy's mind sound like a howling hurricane wind. So do you mind if you just like quiet down just a little bit? And so the, the words in this book have now become like part of our daily conversation um, in a playful, like non-threatening way. Um, and so that's how we communicate with us. And that's like literally found in the book. <laughs> so you guys can start using those conversation pieces with your kids too. And it's, it's just a great way to communicate with each other. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I love that, like you said, it's like become part of your own everyday practice and part of your conversation because that's what makes it like more, I don't want to use the word normal, but that's what like makes it part of your routine, right? Absolutely. Cause you have to, like, it has to be like, it can't be like these one-off things, like talking about our feelings, having boundaries set. Like this is just as much as like importance for us. Like what we talk about, right? Like being able to express our feelings and be able to communicate them. We want to teach that in our children and we just need to find a way that we can do it in a respectful way. And this is like the, this is like the dialogues that we can have with our kids. And it's like, it doesn't feel like, you know, like there's been times that I've definitely made the mistake. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like, you know, I'm stressed out. Like, can you please like stop making noise or like, you know, can you stop screaming? And that never goes well. So now that like, I'm like, okay, like my head engine is spinning. Like, can you please like, just like when it's loud, it's like just too much or, you know, mommy's, mommy's heart engine. Like I'm starting to get overheated. Um, you know, I'm going to go like, you know, like I'm going to drink some water. I'm going to like, I'm going to do some like sipping like strawberry smoothie. Like I use it as a reset too. Like when I am getting overwhelmed, I definitely take a reset or like what I like to say a time in and I will communicate that like mommy needs to take a time in and, um, it's just become a normal part. So now my son is like, I need a time in, <laughs> you know, like I need to take yeah. a time in. So yeah. And that's what we want for our, what our, for our kids to be able to communicate their emotions in a respectful and a constructive way. Yeah. Well, and like when you were saying that like the red brain and, you know, yellow and green and everything, I think that's a really cool way of viewing things and looking at things. And I think it's true. It's like, I have to remind myself, obviously that Amelia is not even two yet. And it's like, when I try to tell her to kind of like, you know, calm down and trying to talk to her and she's in that kind of red brain and just melting down and not listening to me. And I want to scream and have my own adult tantrum. It's hard because you're like sitting there, like, please, please freaking listen to me. I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to help you, but you're not letting me. And it's like, you just feel helpless. And it's like, but so do they. Yeah. You know, and especially at that age too, right? Like I think Dr. Daniel Spiegel had said it that like at that age, especially one, two, three, you know, meltdowns is just a sign that their brain is trying, like that's a normal functioning brain. Like that's like, because they're getting deregulated and they're learning how to make those neural connections. Um, and their right and left brain hemispheres are not connected in those moments. So it's really, I completely understand, you know, you're, cause I went through that same thing. Cause you're just like, wait, like you want to help them. But I can tell you like, and especially like the parents who have a little bit older kids, like it starts clicking with them. And like, you know, um, especially at that age, like, you know, singing the songs and like, just like, you know, taking deep breath in and like doing it as much during playtime and making it like as playful as possible is so like, so important. Like we can't even like, I think all of that, that I did with my son when he was like, um, one and two and three really is paying off now because it's like, I really see that automatically now he like can come to that. So don't give up hope. <laughs> you know, I know how hard and stressful it is at, right now, but you know, keep, 
keep putting in those seeds and it really does like, it's beautiful. They flourish really quickly. It doesn't even take that long to see the, you know, how much they're able to pick up at this young age. Yeah, that's no, and that's, that's really good advice. And I know I'm, I'm so excited to get my hands on your book as well and be able to follow along and use some of those exercises and practices and try them as she gets a little bit older and understands a little bit more and can make it part of her routine and my routine, like you said, and planting those seeds. Yeah. And like really what, um, what I, like I share, you know, the songs that I sing with like, you know, one, two, like your, especially like, you know, like your daughter's age. And, um, you know, I have a son who's a younger son who's one. And like, I'm starting to do that with him. Um, you know, what I really did like to supplement this book, because I really, though, though the book is geared to kids four through eight, these tools, like a lot of it, like, like I said, you can start planting in the songs and the seeds and these practices when they're younger. And so what I really did was I created a, um, supplemental, like, short online video-based course called the Meditation for Kids Masterclass, one to really empower parents to have the confidence of knowing like what order and what steps do I start teaching the exercises because the book is amazing because it has all the different exercises, but I really learned in my 10 years of teaching, there is like specific practices that you can do step-by-step. And what I really wanted was um, resources for parents like who have younger children, like what are the songs that I sing that I couldn't include in the book because it's like for the younger generation. So I have videos of that, like how I introduce um, the songs of like the feelings and the taking deep breaths and meditation. There's all songs for it. So um, in different ways that I do that. So I really created that course to be like a supplement and really take away all the guesswork of like which steps to do during each um, age range, one to three, then four to eight, and then eight and older. Yeah, so it makes it a little bit more manageable to break it down depending on how old your little one is. Exactly, because there's different, like, you know, the brain capacity and where they're at learning ability-wise is different. Like, the the one common denominator is they learn through play and songs and stories, but we have to break it up and make it available to them based on where they're at, you know, mentally. Um, so, yeah, so it's like different ways that, and different foundational skills that you're focusing on in each age group. Yeah. I love that. I think that's awesome. Well, this has been so great. And especially I feel so like lighter and like clear going into today, especially from doing your meditation and practice and exercise and everything. Is there anything else that you would want to leave us with or any other gems and tips to share with my audience? Well, I really um, am here to support parents in any way possible. So I'd love to share um, just some places where you can get additional resources if that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, and go ahead and tell us where we can find you and everything. Oh, yeah. So um, for the course, and like if you want to um, order the book, you can go to the meditation, or sorry, meditationforkidsbook.com. Um, and you can get information for the course. I'm actually... Uh, you know, during this pre-launch period of the book, I'm offering 50% off of the course um, right now up until the end of May. So May 31st, you can just use the coupon code kids can meditate. And um, yeah, I really wanted to be accessible and available to all parents. And if you go on that site, you can actually, until, until you get your book, I have like five, like this short mini video series of five meditations that you can practice um, right now with your kids and you can follow along with your children. And um, the, you know, on Instagram, you can find me at Thajal B. Patel. Um, you can listen to my podcast at Time and Talks. Um, and also I'm doing, because of the coronavirus and the delay of my book launch events in May, on May 9th, I'm actually also doing a national online uh, book launch event. So you can get information to um, save your space and buy your tickets on meditationforkidsbook.com. It's going to be really just an empowering way for us to connect and um, just like walk you through the steps in the book and just kind of 
guide and answer all your questions. So I'm really excited about that and um, really looking forward to support you in any way possible. Oh, and one last thing. If you do buy the book on Instagram, I'm really trying to make this movement like this kids can meditate movement. So use the hashtag, share pictures of your children using, you know, using the book, you practicing with your kids. Like I really want to blow up the gram, like in the sense that like, let's see, like make it normal to see kids meditating and not like this one off where like, wow, that's super cute. And it's just like, be like, yeah, like it's a normal. So use that hashtag tag me and I'll definitely be like sharing it and giving shout outs because I think that just like lights me up to see your kids, um, meditating. It'd be awesome. Yes. Love that. And love that you want to like push kids meditating. Cause you're right. It's not something you see normally, but like we are starting to see some schools, different places that started using it this past year. And like people are seeing such positive effects. I think it's so cool that you want to be part of that movement and really like open that conversation of like, yes, kids can meditate too. So that's like, that's, that's that, like, that, that's so awesome. And before I let you go, I've been trying to ask this question, uh, especially with what's going on right now to kind of just bring clarity and everything back to everyone. What um, right now is your rose, your bud and your thorn? Ooh, um, you know, my rose is actually, um, having this opportunity to be like on staycation. (laughs) I know that's like a different like perspective, but I love, I'm like, I love being home. So this has actually been a beautiful opportunity for me to just like be home, um, and just enjoy my time with my, my sons and my husband. Um, my, bud what would that be? Um, so, well, my thorn, I think my thorn would be, um, definitely just like the disarrangement. There's like the disarrangement of like just this happening right now. And just like how many people are affected by it. I think just like, that's been a, that really like affects me. Um, and I don't know what my, be. um, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't think of anything. Right so something, something in the middle, something that's kind of just, um, that, okay. So I guess the thing that would be in the middle is that this book is coming out in such a timely, timely yeah. time, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's like, it's, you know, I'm celebrating, but I'm also like, you know, sad that this is like happening at the same time. I, so I don't know. I'm like mixed emotions with that, Yeah, but I'm really, really happy that it's like coming out, really- you know. Yeah, that's a genuine, you know, bud. Um, I would say um, my rose is definitely um, being able to spend the time with my husband because he is working from home right now with everything going on and our daughter, Amelia Ray, before our new baby girl gets here and getting to really enjoy that time together as stressful as it can be and being all together as a family. Um, My bud is probably, um, I guess it would be actually finding more of that meditative space and finding more of that, um, you know, practice and really encouraging myself in a time that can be a little bit more fearful and anxious to really work on that practice and have it help me. And my thorn would be definitely just the anxiety around everything that's going on and how it's affecting everyone and my circles and my loved ones and just everyone in the world and just the way um, things are, you know, happening and, and, and how it, of course it's affecting me too. So yeah, I mean, um, I think that that's probably, that's probably mine. Um, thank you so much to This is amazing. And I really appreciate all the tips and gems you shared. You also work well, you know, walking us through an actual exercise and everything. I just think that was like so incredibly powerful, especially for the time that we're in right now. And I know I'm going to go back to it and listen to it when I need to and everything. So Thank you so, so much. And till next time, guys, cheers. Bye.